What's up, Michigan? Welcome to a state finals edition of State Champs Michigan's Extra Point. This is the Michigan High School Football Podcast. I'm Lauren Plant, joined by two of the State Champs Scout Team finest, Matt Mowry and Scott Bernstein. As we've done all season long, and this has been an extended season, uh, granted with a couple of uh, quote-unquote pauses in between, today we're recapping and reacting to six state semifinal football games, the ones that we thought were worth chatting about, and then we are going to preview all eight of the 11-player state finals matchup so first off gentlemen welcome to the show and uh, we've just got two more of these to do really uh but uh you know semifinals, excellent football great matchups outstanding performances uh this january playoff run has really been exciting i'll tell you what i'm most impressed with and then we can um move on to the uh semi-final uh reviews and the state finals previews but i'm most impressed with all the teams that are left or a majority of the teams that are left it's like the two-month pause did not affect them at all i mean that and it speaks to the i think the protocol and the ability to focus and and everything that those programs have been doing to make sure that the, the ship stays steady and during these rough waters but you know all the teams i've seen i, I kind of expected when i went out to that first game after the two-month layoff that I was going to be seeing a lot of, like, August football. You know, like, you know, first game out of the shoot. Uh, but a lot, these guys are, you know, they're playing like they haven't missed a beat. They're primed. They're fresh. They're hungry. And that that was that was actually my biggest worry or one of my biggest worries about, you know, the, the extending of the season and all these breaks that you were going to just get bad football. And that hasn't been the case. It's been great football these last two weeks. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, Matt, for the regional matchup at least, these guys basically had a month to prepare for that game. So you talk about looking at team film. You knew who you were going to play, and you basically could break down every position and know what their strengths and weaknesses were and how you were going to attack them. So, uh, And granted, yeah, little sloppy in the first half of the regionals, couple turnovers, things like that. Uh, other than that, uh, you know, the games I went to, outstanding football. Uh, last week, again, working in this new environment, working, uh, you know, in a world that these guys have not had a whole lot of time to kind of get ready to be football players again, we still had fantastic games this weekend. Yeah, and you were going to, like you said, th these guys had all kinds of time to, pl to game plan for that regional finals, and you were kind of curious if there would be any of that, you know, because – Coaches can get inventive when they have all kinds of time to plan. And you had to wonder if they were going to throw in new wrinkles and try this out and try that out. And I think you see, kind of alluding to what Scott said a little bit, I think you see that, that the people who kept it simple, kept it basic, kept it kind of normal – are the ones that are moving on. I mean, you heard that a lot in, in this, you know, you read these game stories from around the state and it's the people who kept it basic and kept it kind of, you know, right with what, you know, you throw in a wrinkle here and there and the, the game that I covered last weekend, it was a wrinkle at the end that ended up being the, you know, game ceiling touchdown. But for the most part, most of these are not, you know, nobody was throwing out the, you know, throwing out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak, and reinventing the wheel, you know, nine weeks into the season. All right, the way we're going to break this down is we are going to have um, each of our esteemed 
individuals here break down a particular game, and we'll make a few comments here that way we're not here for the next four hours. You know, some of you may like that, and you know, certainly we would be open to do that. But uh, uh, we want to keep this uh, palatable. So uh, let's start with. The West Bloomfield Belleville game. Scott is going to comment on this one. Double overtime. West Bloomfield wins thirty-five to thirty-four, and it's interesting. You you just mentioned keeping it simple. Uh, I'd say one of the big difference makers in that game was the give to the running back who ended up throwing the ball uh, deep for West Bloomfield. Oh, uh, that was actually a wide receiver. What, what with the wide receiver threw? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but anyway, uh, incredible game. All you know. Weird first half, but boy, the second half was fireworks. Yeah, it was as advertised, you know, just a, a slugfest. Two heavyweight champions sitting in the, the center of the ring, exchanging blows to the very last second. Uh, it just everything that you would want in a in a game to decide who was going to uh, go on to the, to the state finals. Um, West Bloomfield, you know, they're, they're uh, making a habit of slaying dragons. You know, uh, Belleville had been a... A real bugaboo for them these last couple years. Uh, close games that they lost on the road to Belleville in the regionals, two straight seasons. Um, they finally have you know, got that monkey off their back, went to Belleville, came out ahead 35-34. A uh, goal line stand for the ages, just an epic defensive stand there. Um, you know, give credit to to Coach Ron Bellamy for for dialing up a, a defense. And, and uh, I'll give a quick anecdote. Um, Two senior linebackers, Travis Reese and Jordan Hoskins, um, recognized the play that River Rouge was going to run on the two-point conversion uh, to, to end the game. River Rouge had scored. Uh, the overtimes were great. It was double overtime, and both teams scored two touchdowns like clockwork. Yeah. We could. It seemed like we could have been there until 10 o'clock at night just exchanging touchdowns. But Jermaine Crowell from Belleville decided to roll the dice and go for two at the end of the second overtime. Um, the West Bloomfield linebackers that are just kind of students of the game and uh, have a great feel for, um, for 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 football chess, you know the X and O's, and uh, they and, and, and there was a timeout, so right, they got a, to see the right, the, so, the lineup. Yeah, so there's a timeout, and Travis Reese comes back to the timeout, uh, comes back to the huddle, uh, and says, "I see the play they're running. They're going to leak out uh, uh, Budden, the Penn State bound linebacker who plays sometimes as a blocking back." Uh, as a fullback in the backfield, and the play was that that uh, Budden was going to uh, leak out, and they were going to do a screen to to Budden for the two point conversion. Really smart. I yeah. mean, it's a smart play to the time. And, and yeah. by the way, the the, the the engineer of said play is Christian Duree, the notorious CDR, the most prolific passer in MHSA history. So you're not only having to get a two, you know, a, a dramatic two point conversion stop on the final play of the game, but you're doing it against the best that's ever played in the state of Michigan in terms of the quarterback position. And uh, Travis Reese recognized the play. Immediately, Jordan Hoskins, the the team captain and le the leading tackler uh, for West Bloomfield, immediately says, okay, we're going to run mousetrap. And that's a, a, a stunt blitz, a blitz formation. Um, so Reese recognized it. Hoskins immediately calls the play. Ron Bellamy just like, hey, you guys handle it, man. This is this is your uh, this your is seniors. Your this is your moment. Go out and execute it. And they executed it beautifully. Uh, uh, Dewey Reed dropped back, looked for Budden. Uh, Reese plugged that gap, uh, and and there was no one to, to throw to. And then Niles King, the Grand Valley commit, who's also a really good story. This is his first year playing varsity football, um, and he's had a, a really – 
big impact on the defensive line. He's six four, about two fifty, long arms, and he came in, uh, you know, like a crazed animal coming after for Dewey Reed with both his hands up, like with a seven foot wingspan. And and Dewey Reed had nowhere to go, ended up throwing an incompletion that was actually almost caught by Cam Jones <laughs> into triple coverage. Yeah. But uh, just kudos to West Bloomfield. So much intestinal fortitude. Donovan Edwards was Donovan Edwards. Um, I hate to say it was kind of just a normal run-of-the-mill Donovan Edwards night when you run for 150 yards and three touchdowns, one of them being a 65-yard dash to the end zone, which followed up a 95-yard dash to the end zone that was, uh, uh, which was ruled um, – it was taken off the board because of a penalty. And then the last thing I'll say was – you know, I think we talked talk about it last week, and Matt and I have talked about it off the air. I, I said, you know, for West Bloomfield to win this thing, it's got to be more than just Dominic and the – I just called Dominic. <laughs> it's got to be more than just Donovan and the defense. You know, you're going to have to have someone step up and, ma- and make some big plays down the stretch that aren't just the regular defensive superstars in, in Donovan. And it really happened in the fourth quarter in overtime. Alex Short, um, the senior quarterback, made some big throws. Um Ended up with like 125 yards passing, but I think 80, 90 of them were in the were, were in the second. Game half. management was great, yeah, but the, he was great. And then the the trick play that Lauren alluded to that I'll end with uh, really gave them a a, a charge. Uh, Alex Short gave the ball to uh, sophomore wide receiver Samaj Morgan on an end around, and then Morgan threw it beautiful spiral pass about 30 yards uh, to Alex Short streaking into the end zone. Yeah, so a little trickeration, yeah. and that kind of gave him a boost and. Uh, I'm excited for Westmanville to play in the state finals. Yeah, Matt, I'd like to get your quick comments on this too. And I'll just say, you know, it's going to be really interesting where Belleville goes from here. We've seen Christian Reed run this offense for the last four years. Uh, you really thought this was going to be the year that they were going to get over the hump and uh, actually, you know, at least get a chance to compete for a state championship. Uh, it did not happen. Um, but again, one play away and, you know, fingertips from catching the ball. Uh, you know, they've still got a ton of talent. It, uh, they'll take a little bit of a different direction because Do Reed is, is an unusual well, they, you signal know, caller. They actually have, uh, this is the way these programs know, are going. Know, yeah. They got a prodigy that will be stepping in to CDR's uh, oh, shoes. And eighth, I love how he's labeled him a prodigy. Well, he's one of these eighth graders that considered, you know, the best quarterback oh, in the eighth yeah. grade in the country. He, okay. he just got a Kentucky offer like yesterday. Wow. So his kid's name is Bryce Underwood. Right. And there's a lot of And he hasn't even it. been played a he's snap eighth, at high eight, school. He's an eighth grade. An eighth but he's already been slotted in as the starter next year for Bell. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I remember I remember when Dew Reed was that kid and we were talking yeah. about, oh, you, you got to wait until you see this kid coming in. You know, he won X and O, you know, when he was in sixth grade and seventh grade and he was that kid, you know, and he blew up right away. And it, it took him some growing time to, to get to be, you know, who he was. But he was productive as a freshman, I remember. So, yeah, it's going to be the He's same. Real productive like you mentioned. Yeah. Um They've got all kinds of talent, you know, Miles Rouser in the back line and Cam Dyson, I believe, is back. And it's it's going to be one of those teams that, yeah, maybe they're not in the semis next year. Maybe it's a regional final cap that that is there. But it's not – I don't think it's going to be one of those – I don't think it's going to be one of those issues where this team blows up and goes to the semis and that's it and they're done and it, they just – you know, they go away after this because I think I think they've got enough talent in the pipeline. One one of the only things I wanted to say about this game is I think the difference in my mind, just looking at some of the 
you know, the, the recaps and some of the, the footage is that the two things that were different for West Bloomfield is that they were healthy on the back end of the defense, which they weren't last year, which helped them be able to kind of contain that that prolific passing attack. And they got pressure on. You mentioned that Niles King you know, pressure on, on the two-point conversion. That was something they did not do in last year's game with very much frequency. CDR was standing upright, had a lot of time to go deep, a lot of different opportunities. So that, I think those were the two things that really made the difference defensively for West Bloomfield. Niles Kim was a baseball player at, at UD Jesuit and then came over last year to West Bloomfield, had to sit the whole season because uh, of the transfer rule and then just did, decided to play football well, and it, it turned into a really, really good defensive end that's going yeah. you know, to the Gleak. West Bloomfield improved on the defensive line, whereas last year they were counting on guys like Cornell Wheeler to make the pressure to find those, those gaps. And uh, um, like you said, they had them kind of bottled up. Uh, for at least the second half of that game in last year's matchup, and uh, obviously more pressure for yeah, the guys like Jaden Green, the captain of the defensive yeah. line, Niles King, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris Johnson, guys like that have been real big, uh, bringing pressure uh, to opposing teams' backfields. Yeah, and my last point I just want to say about Bevel, I, I think they're still going to be real good. I mean, they've got a freshman wide receiver who's amazing this year. Uh, what I just think it's going to be different. So, however, I don't know, you know, what this kid's skill set is, but I think it's it's going the offense is just going to look be run differently, and and that's exciting. You know what I mean? We've seen, you know, kind of the fake handoff and then the quick pass. That's the Christian Dureed staple, and that's what they did great, and there was no reason to change it. So it will be interesting to see there, and uh, we'll talk about the finals in just a little bit. We're going to move on to the one of the biggest shockers that. You know, we had some shockers in the state semifinals. There were definitely a few. And one was the fact that Cadillac was able to upend Edwardsburg by a score of 28 to 26. And uh, uh, Matt, you're going to talk about this one and um, just tell us how they did it. Well, this was one where you know how it is after a game when you're waiting around to get, you know, an interview. And this is literally what I was doing. Someone in the country day entourage that was as I was standing there waiting for somebody said that Cadillac had beat uh, beat Edwardsburg and it literally was one of those moments where I whipped my head around and said what because no one expected that and I think you know even Cadillac would understand what a monumental underdog they were in this game I mean usually when we're doing these picks you just kind of pencil Edwardsburg in until you get to maybe the semifinals and finals and then kind of go yeah okay well you know if they're they're playing this is a uh, program that's gone 88 and 9 since 2013 I mean they <laughs> they win all the time I don't know that anybody in the world outside the Vikings fans thought that they had a, a shot at this but Cadillac actually took it to you, you one of the things you think about when you think about Edwardsburg is just kind of big smash mouth football and that's kind of what they've been over the last you know decade Cadillac beat them at their own game they were more physical and that's something that Kevin Bartz the Edwardsburg coach said after this game that was the most physical team they've played this year and I think part of that, and Cody Mallory, the, the Cadillac coach, even alluded to it, part of that is playing in the conference they do because they're one of the smallest teams in the Big North Conference. You're playing TC West and TC Central and Alpena and, you know, go on down the list. These are bigger teams as, as D1, D2 teams. So it gets you ready for that. And that was that was something that, that was very important in this game. Cadillac went up 
28-14 with 8-21 left. The key from there on out to keeping that lead was stuffing the next two two-point conversions, which is something that Edwardsburg goes for two on almost every time they score a touchdown. And that was something that Cody Mallory said after the game was was key to them. They wanted to make it less than 50-50 on those two-point conversions if they possibly could. They stuffed the last two, and and Jackson Hoover scored with 56.4 seconds left for Edwardsburg, giving them the opportunity to tie it up at 28 if they had gotten the two-point conversion, and they stuffed that two-point conversion. It was just one of those, you know, kind of a, a smash-mouth game all along. The, the Vikings, I think, racked up 256 yards rushing, but it was not one guy. It was 75 by Caleb McKinley and 67 by Aiden Gurdon and 60 by Noah Cochran, and it was just kind of a grinded-out game. But the key was really keeping Edwardsburg out of the end zone after they'd already scored on those two-point conversions to to hold on. We're going to talk about the Division Four State Final matchup and, uh, you know, Wins against Sault Ste. Marie, Forest Hills Eastern, and now Edwardsburg definitely puts Cadillac in um, a lot of people's minds, you know, when it comes to uh, how that game's going to turn out. So I think that will be a very interesting matchup. We will talk about that later in the show. I'm, embar- Let- I'm embarrassed to say that until this year, I didn't even know there was a Forest Hills Eastern. <laughs> See, you learn. You've been doing. I've been doing this twelve years, and there was a school I didn't know existed. But I will say, Grantland uh, Lancaster, uh, the superstar from uh, um, Forest Hills Eastern, is a steal for uh, for Grand Valley State. The interesting thing is, most of the time we talked about Forest Eastern and state champs over the years, it has been really about their lacrosse program. Um, in, in general, I think it's a combined program. It's like Eastern and Northern or Eastern and Western. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, the central but, has their own. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, but they were good this year. Yeah. Yeah. They were a really good team. Okay. Let's move on. Let's go, uh, over to division two, the game that I filmed. Scott's going to talk about this one. Um, you know, certainly, uh, we all have talked ad nauseum about uh, the way that Oak Park has performed in the postseason in getting themselves this far. Uh, Warren De La Salle, takeaway last year, uh, this is a team who does nothing but win in the postseason. They were, four, I think, 14-1 and one, uh, you know, since 2017 coming into uh, this particular state semifinal. Familiar territory, and obviously we all know what happened last year. Uh, they didn't get a chance to uh, but, but that makes that makes what's going yes. on right now even, even more special. Yeah, yes, Dan Roan should be coach of the year. Yeah, period. I don't want to hear any arguments. It's, uh, I, I, for him to come in there and you know get things back up and running and put all of the the, the kind of nonsense and controversy. I mean, it's yeah. not nonsense. And they were. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to diminish no, what happened. Uh, no. get, take all that controversy and, and put it sure. aside and refocus and get all these kids. Um, you know, dialed into his program yeah. and the way he runs things. Yeah, there were some growing pains. I mean, they were two and four. Yeah. And, you know? And as I've said before, you know, the Catholic League Central is the only conference in the state that you can take a team that's either below 500 or hovering at the 500 mark. We've seen four and, and, four T teams and, win and make a run because the, that – that conference top to bottom or that, that central division top to bottom, you know, you could go, uh, you know, any league in the country and, and put them head to head. Cause it's so well coached. Yeah. You know, and Dan so Rohn is just adding that coaching expertise. And, so they, they know how to maximize the potential. Of those and, teams. and, you know, what speaks even more to this amazing coaching job is that, you know, this, 
all due respect to the roster. I mean, this isn't the most talented De La Salle roster we've seen in the last five, six, seven years when they've when they've uh, made these uh, runs to the state championships. Um, but that's a tribute to guys like Brett Stanley, the star of the game on uh, on Saturday. Uh, we talked about him last week. Just so much heart, so much grit, uh, a gutty player that um, is a leader and is just a, a natural playmaker and plays bigger than his size. And, uh, you know, it's kind of college coaches and scouts are obsessed with tangibles and and metrics and yeah. and Brett and he's, Stanley, a, he's a wrestler and Brett too, Stanley's you know? the kind of just throw those all out the window he's just a football player and uh, a kid that that wants to mix it up and mm-hmm. and make plays and, and that's all he does and he had 170 yards rushing two touchdowns the game winner in overtime um but they were getting contributions across the board um uh you know to to, to force the well, to get to the point where they could win the game, Jaden Conklin strips Michigan State bound uh, Davion Prim, the uh, Oak Park running back, strips him of the of the ball in the first play of overtime, gives the ball back to De La Salle, which or gives the ball to De La Salle, which gives Stanley a chance to to go in for the winning touchdown. But before that, you had a situation where Oak Park had come back from ten down to take a lead, uh, and De La Salle had to to come down there and they. Uh, couldn't get in the end zone, so they had to go to uh, you know a field goal to tie it. And Cody Cummings, I believe his name is, knocked in a like a twenty five yarder that 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 uh, hit the post and and dropped in. So uh, you know, hats off to, to Cody for being clutch. And then I think his name is Deontay Dandridge, uh, intercepted Oak Park to end uh, regulation. And you know, James Burnley and that Oak Park offense has been playing uh, so you know has, has been at a full tilt. And they've been pulling rabbits out of hats these last couple of weeks, just like you know uh, last week they had a kind of a miracle uh, ending, and and Burnley was was gunning for one of those, and Deontay Dandridge said, no, no, we're going to overtime and we're going to win this in OT. So you know, um, De La Salle looks like they could be a team of destiny. I don't know. We'll see. They got a tough matchup in the finals, but they are just clicking on all cylinders right now and and playing great high school football. I don't care about recruiting stars and you know where kids are going uh this is this is what high school football is all about yeah uh brady drogosh the uh court is brady right uh brady brady drogosh yeah yeah uh really good uh managing the game well uh you know taking his time seeing what the defense is presenting itself the line play for de la salle uh, doing an excellent job on both sides of the ball. Brett Stanley doing it on defense, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a viper out there, yeah. just, you know, heading, going after uh, whatever they could. Uh, again. That's why he's so impactful yeah. because yeah. he's this this bruising running back yeah. that's going to just initiate contact and put defenders on their tush. Yeah. And then on defense, he's coming to dislodge you from the ball. He's right. going sideline to sideline. Yeah. He's calling plays. You yeah. know, he's like a kind of quarterback. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there. there's no question. Yeah. He's initiating contact on both sides of the ball. Uh, and that's what a wrestler would do. Yeah. And he's built like that. He's yeah. built like a wrestler. Uh, even though he's not the tallest kid in the world, he's he is stacked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, 
definitely the leader on that team. Oak Park, I give them all the credit. The interesting thing about that interception to Deontay Dandridge, they had just had an interception overturned by a penalty kill the exact play before. So I, you were thinking, wow, Oak Park's given new life here. They're on the 40. They're you know starting to get into uh, De La Salle territory. They're going to kind of work their way down and uh, go in for the winning score and not sure. give De La Salle an opportunity to do it. They uh, went for the went for it all. I mean, that was about a 40-yard pass. Uh, and I, to be fair, too, Jackson had a great shot at it. Uh, Keyshawn Jackson or Keyshawn Jackson had a great shot at it. It was Deontay Dandridge who just made a, a better play. And uh, that's what high school football is. It's a game of inches. Um, you know, who would have thought they would, on the first play, have the ball wrestled out of your Michigan State running back's hands? Uh, you know, and, uh, and and they were so stunned that that happened. It was literally the first play. As soon as Dealsaw got out there, they won the for, game. For Coach Roan to come in here yeah. and get this ship turned around so fast and and have to not just that, but in addition to the controversy and, and coming in kind of cold because you're not from this area, he's from the west side of the state, but you're stepping into some pretty big shoes. Mike Giannone, before Giannone, Paul Verska. I mean, yeah. those are great football coaches that have, that have led, you know, star-studded, gritty De La Salle football teams that have won state titles, yeah. and you're coming in, and I, yeah, he's won state titles too, but it's at a, a lower division, yeah. and he's not from this part of the right. the state. So you know all those adjustments that he had to make, just an amazing job uh, on the sidelines by Coach Ron. And I'll just say here to to before we move on, that was the first game played on campus at Warren yeah. De La Salle, the stadium that they had built there. They you know one of the guys said it cost him a couple million bucks uh, to do. Uh, they were given an exemption to be able to play that game because they live in a neighborhood. They're not really allowed to play varsity games. There it was kind of the deal. Uh, I understand it's even powered for lights if they want it. So whether in the future they're allowed to use that as their home stadium, uh, I believe it's just going to be JV and uh, freshmen and, you know, for football and obviously soccer will play there and lacrosse will play there. Um, I don't know how that will work in the future, but it was really cool seeing it. Uh, everybody was super excited, and it was a fun atmosphere, a little on the cold side, uh, but uh, we managed to deal. Speaking of uh, managing to deal, Detroit Country Day is another team that seems to be putting themselves in position seemingly every year to get to the D4 state finals. They indeed are back in the Division Four state finals. Uh, they took on a very good Williamston team, a Williamston team, uh, Matt, that you had the pleasure of uh, seeing in person. Yeah, this was not uh, what you would call an offensive masterpiece by any any stretch of the imagination. Two very good defenses going at, against two offenses that probably were second fiddle on their own team as in terms of, you know, power. Both of these are very defensive teams, but the Yellow Jackets shut down a Hornet offense that had been averaging 30 points a game and 34 points in their three prior playoff games. They held Williamston to 140 total yards and allowed them across the 50 just twice. No, no closer than the than the country day forty. But still, even though that's the way that the stats turned out, it still felt this whole game like Williamston was one play away. Because for the longest right. time, I think I think Country Day scored about three plays into the second quarter on, on a short run. Neither team could get anything going, and so it just sat there at six nothing for the longest time. And, right. and even a couple of the Country Day players after the game said, "Yeah, it." it not to say that they were nervous, but it wasn't a great feeling because Williamston, you know, kept getting the ball, especially when they were, you know, going both going three and out. 
back and forth in the third quarter, Williamson kept getting the ball around its own 45, 47. And, and, and so it just felt like one big play and it was going to crack open. Every time that happened, though, Country Day came up with an answer. They intercepted uh, two passes around their own 40-yard line to turn it over. The second one of those was by Danny McLean, the coach's son. And, and that kind of was the point at which it flipped back to Country Day. It set up a nine-play, 63-yard drive that took 301 off the clock. And, and it was kept alive in the middle of that drive by Brandon Mann scrambling left behind their uh, Anvil Award uh, left uh, tackle, Caleb Tiernan, and, and biding his time. And finding Danny McLean along the sidelines, it was one of those where as, as he was scrambling, you know, the defenders kind of lose track of who they're, they're, they've got. And Danny McLean was just kind of huddling, you know, hiding out on the sideline for a 30-yard gain on a third and 11. Gets him down close, gets him in scoring range, and then fourth and four from the Williamson 21. This is what I alluded to earlier. Put a little wrinkle in just this week, a little quarterback draw for man that really I, mean, I almost uh, you know alluded to when I was writing the game story. It was kind of like when the uh, Tigers were going to the World Series in the ALCS in, in 2006. When Maglio Ordonez is up at the plate, all he needed to do was hit a single. Or he could go for the home run, the drama, which he did, you know. Yeah. And so it was kind of that same way. All man really needed to do was get the four yards that they needed on fourth and four, and then they can churn out the clock and it's probably over. He hit the home run. He went 21 yards. And you could tell there was a point when he broke through the line of scrimmage that he kind of looked and went, oh. And he just turned on the Jets from there and 21-yard touchdown. He, it ended up that he sealed the game a couple plays later, for sure, for sure, by picking off a, a pass, their third interception of the game. But the, the two two programs, like you mentioned, Country Day just kind of is always there hanging around. Just, it'll be their fifth appearance in the finals since 2007 and their ninth overall. They have not won one, however, since 1999. I think they're over the last four there. So that's kind of one of those things that, okay, they get they got back there. Now they need to take that next step and actually win a title. They actually haven't been super competitive at Ford Field either. So I think that's Yeah, wasn't there one that it was like 7 nothing? Wasn't yes, that like the entire was, score? There yeah. was a there was a low-scoring yeah. one, and then last, uh, last year they got their doors blown off by GRCC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and trust me, those those country day kids know that, and that has yeah. been their yeah. their rallying cry all season long was the fact that they got embarrassed last yeah. year and they wanted to go back, so they had a chance to rectify that. It's been a great postseason for Brandon Mann, the brother of Steve Mann, if you remember, who was uh, our DAC Athlete of the Year winner actually a couple of years ago. He went and played baseball. Uh, Duke. Duke. Duke, yeah, that's right. And, their, Duke. and their father, Steve Mann, yes, yes. who runs the offense Wonderful for man. Country Day. Yeah. Won a state championship for Country Day yeah. in 85 or 86. Yeah. He caught the game-winning touchdown. That's awesome. I think as time expired from uh, Charles Johnson, who ended up winning a national championship with the Colorado Buffalo. So if you are talking, yes, that's right. If you are talking strictly the man household, Brandon wants nothing more than to win this game on yep. Saturday because his 
father will still have those bragging rights, and Steve can he say get, he, he had never won. Get, he wants to get that ring with his yes. pops, and then at Thanksgiving dinner, yeah. him and his dad can be wearing the ring, and, and Steve can just be yes. wearing his Duke baseball hat. That's and- right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. A game that was much, much closer than we thought would be in Division Three: River Rouge 30, Chelsea 22. Uh, in the end, uh, Panthers able to pull this out, get to when people forget they are the defending state champs back to the state finals for the second year in a row. Yeah. Um, until Corey Parker got to uh, River Rouge, I, and I think everyone uh, looked at uh, the Panthers and River Rouge Nation as a, as a basketball school. <laughs> now they are, the last handful of years, they're officially a football school. Um, you know, they, they, they're, the, the, the product they put on the field in terms of consistency, in terms of uh, coaching fundamentals, uh, in terms of high-quality athletes and young men uh, is is really impressive what, what Corey's been able to do. And, um, you know, the game against Chelsea was really a story of of uh, Superman was in the building. Uh, he was he might not have been wearing a cape, but he was definitely wearing a Panthers uniform. Uh, Marianne Rabowski, um, we talked about him last week, just has made huge strides uh, at the quarterback position. He, he had a real breakout in the state finals last year. Um and then on Saturday, he just he shredded Ch- uh, Chelsea's defense. Two hundred and twenty-five yards rushing, three touchdowns. Um, you know, he, he was diming them out when he needed to. Made a couple of nice throws. I saw to uh, talking about young guns, Nick Marsh, uh, who was one of the better freshman receivers in in, in the area. Uh, and then Charlie Daniels, their their uh, running back, had a I think a forty-five, fifty-yard. Um, scamper into the end zone so they they played really well and um really you know took chelsea's uh best punch and um you know bounced off the ring uh, sorry bounced off the ropes and delivered about you know three haymakers that were uh knockout blows but you know marion rapowski you know, we're talking about upside or value as a recruit i mean this when this kid, you know, smooths out a little uh, some of the rough edges and keeps on improving on on his uh, uh, quarterback IQ, which is just you know jumping leaps and bounds uh, over the last year and um, going through his progressions, which you know he shows you know unbelievable potential. But as a pure athlete, he is a specimen. Um, he has size. He has speed. He has strength. Uh, I think that the, the sky is the limit for him at Western Michigan um, because I, I just think that this kid is a, a you know, and, and Corey Parker said he, he was like, I think that the, the quote he gave was like, he was like Captain America. Like he was like a member of the Avengers coming in to, to, to take us to the state finals and, and give us a chance to repeat. And when you got a playmaker like that, you got a six foot four, 225 pound uh, you know, chiseled, uh, yeah, you know, just just the prototypical athlete under center. He's tough to bring down, man. And uh, Chelsea will tell you that firsthand. I think I can speak for all of us. We missed the boat on Marion when it came to Mr. Football this year. You know, it's such a weird year and we had some forfeits and we, you know, in the end, he should have been there. We should have had him there. We did, and then we didn't. He was in and, early. Yeah. yeah, it was in early, and, and we pulled after the East Lansing game. Uh, never got himself back in there. He should have been there. He deserves it. Um, a, a 
great player, and uh, it's going to be an interesting final. We're going to talk about it in just a bit. Him, him and Brett Stanley were kind of like, wait, what about me, guys? I like, know. Hey, hey, yeah, should, yeah. should we be in Brett, the consider- Brett Stanley consideration for Mr. Football? And we're like, yes, yes. we probably should be, both Brett, of you guys. Yes, Brett Stanley was on our watch list for a little bit, uh, you know, kind of right around the time Rocco Melia uh, was, was coming into it as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, you know, um, We'll admit it when we get it wrong. Oh, and one more thing I want to mention. Uh, our more, not that none of our 10 candidates were all very well-deserving of being in the conversation. It just well, shows you so. how much depth we have. Yeah, maybe we have to go to 15. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Armorian Smith, the Cincinnati commit, who um, quarterbacks the secondary for uh, River Rouge, had a real nice game, uh, eight tackles. I think he had two, uh, two pass breakups and uh, okay. did a great job calling signals uh, for the defense. Our last semifinal preview before we get to the finals, we're, our finals preview will not be as long. You know, we're, we're going to comment on the games and the matchups. But, uh, Matt, Traverse City, St. Francis. Talk about another upset here, right? Uh, able to defeat Cass City, a, a, a team who came in with all the momentum and, and, and felt like just a world beater coming into the state semifinals. Uh, Cass City cannot get it done, fall 13-12. to 12. Yeah, and it's, it's almost weird to hear that sentence considering how those programs have gone just because St. Francis has been small school royalty for, you know, decades. It's been one of those programs that you just, when you're reading down the list, you go, oh yeah, Francis, St. Francis is here again. You know, it's, it just, it happens year after year. And Cass City really, until this group of seniors showed up, had not done anything in the playoffs. I mean, now they've run won two straight regional titles. They hadn't gotten past the district finals before the senior group showed up. So, but you're right. The way this was going in, it was Cass City that had just pounded Ithaca, a team that everybody kind of considered to be the, you know, at least if not the the number one contender, then 1A. And it, But the two very similar ground-bound teams that aren't going to pass the ball a whole lot. And you kind of figured if if one team gets a uh, you know a lead, it's going to be hard for that other team to catch up. I think uh, Cassidy took a twelve seven lead just before the end of the third, but uh, St. Francis quarterback Charlie Peterson hit Josh Groves with a twenty three yard touchdown pass on fourth down with seven forty three to play to give St. Francis the lead. And after that, it was kind of the defense. Andrew Schmuckle, the the star linebacker for St. Francis forced a, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big name up in, in that area. Trust me. I, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know one of his either sisters or cousins played Alma college softball, all kinds of fast to the whole family, uh, forced a fourth down uh, play with two fifty one left and Cassidy passing is, is good for Cassidy when they could set it up and when it's kind of a surprise, but when you know, they're going to pass, that's not their forte. They couldn't convert there. Cassidy actually forces a punt with 28 seconds left, but muffed it. And St. Francis recovered and was able to run out the clock. The, the Cassidy defense limited St. Francis to 159 yards total 79 on the ground, but only had just under 200 yards after getting 471 the week before against Ithaca. So it was it was one of those really, really tight games and it it came right down to the wire. Yeah. And the, the other name like we're talking about, Traverse City, St. Francis, the Bulla family. That's, uh, you know, linebacker central there. And uh, a lot of those guys went to Michigan State, Max and Riley. And um, yeah, it, it's great when you do have those, those names, those generations. Uh, and, you know, how, how old is Charlie Peterson, the quarterback for St. Francis? Is he a junior? Not positive. But did he look good? 
Yeah, from what I watched in the game, I mean, it, it, neither of these teams are going to wing it around a whole lot, and I think it's he, he looked good on the couple of passes that I saw him throw. But it's it's one of those where you you run to set up the pass, certainly for both of these teams, and and Fernald was the same way last week against Ithaca. You know, you, you get it, it's easier when you're when your guys are a little wide open because everybody's you know crashing and you've got you know nine guys in the box and and you can spring somebody down the field that they're not expecting. But yeah, from from what I saw, he looked decent. Yeah, he's a junior. I just looked it up. Okay, cool. Thank you, gentlemen. Before we get to our state finals preview, I need to recognize our terrific partners who support state champs and all of our endeavors on behalf of high school sports coverage, also in supporting the podcast. The State Champs Network presenting sponsor of all of our programming is Lawrence Technological University. Over two dozen NAIA varsity sports at LTU. They want you. They've created a great way for you, the high school athlete who wants to play college sports and also get a great 21st century education they have a great thing they invented called recruit yourself it's really simple just go to ltuathletics.com click on the recruit yourself link fill out the short questionnaire one of the coaches will get back to you within 48 hours once again go to ltuathletics.com and click on recruit yourself state champs michigan's extra point is also brought to you by the michigan high school athletic association promoting the value and values of educational athletics uh, do want to mention too that uh, uh, our friends at Fox Sports Detroit they will be covering uh, the state finals. So if you want to watch those live, they will be uh, on FSD from Ford Field. Hungry Howie's famous for flavor and the presenting sponsor for years of uh, state champs Michigan Mister Football and Anvil Awards. A quick note on that: uh, we have selected our final four. Uh, this podcast will probably come out on Wednesday. We're recording on Tuesday afternoon. Probably won't get out till Wednesday. That is when we will be releasing uh, our final four. Uh, for both awards, uh, it was a very spirited debate uh, that we had in both, and very difficult decisions were made. Uh, but you will know those uh, those people soon, and we will pick our champions following the state finals. The Detroit Athletic Club Foundation applications are being accepted online right now for this year's Michigan High School Male and Female Athlete of the Year nominations. Six males, six female will be chosen to apply. You need to have been an all-state athlete or projected to be one this winter or spring. You need an overall 3.0 GPA, and you just need to have shown some school leadership. Maybe you've done some volunteering, you know, something in your community. Um, Looking for well-rounded people. This is an amazing award, and the deadline to apply is February 1st. If you do not get in your nomination, you cannot be nominated. So uh, don't don't sell yourself short, number one. Uh, if you think, you know, that uh, uh, you believe or somebody, you know, if you're an athletic director and you believe one of your students uh, should be considered, fill out the application, do the work, and we'll see what happens. Deadline February 1st. There will be a uh, red carpet gala uh, that we will have at the Detroit Athletic Club. So, you know, you know the term by hook or by crook. We are going to have the DAC Athlete of the Year Awards in downtown Detroit this year. Uh, and uh, usually it's scheduled for May. Uh, but uh, maybe we push it a little till June if we have to, uh, but it will happen. So once again, 
Uh, you can find the application at DACAthleteoftheyear.com. That's the website you can download, or just go to statechampsnetwork.com, and there's a, a side banner there on the homepage. Just click that. It'll take you right there. Uh, the Detroit Medical Center, Rehabilitation Center of Michigan, specifically those on the physical therapy and sports medicine team, are dedicated to making you the best athlete you can be, whether it's sports-specific training or surgery and injury rehabilitation. The pros at the DMC are there for you. Um, we love that we're partners with them again. Uh, DMC and State Champs have a segment we call Game Changers. You can find on the playlist on our YouTube playlist at State Champs TV, uh, or just check them out on the State Champs Michigan Facebook page uh, or the website. There are segments we produce, and the one we did uh, this week is about sensory training. So uh, it's kind of this really evolutionary uh, thing that they do with athletes that that help you become, um, you know, just your vision actually is improved, and it's really interesting. So uh, check that out. You can find, also watch the highlights of every single state semifinal. We, we cover the entire slate. Uh, so you can watch all of that at our website. Uh, the DMC's Rehabilitation in Institute of Michigan is the only freestanding rehabilitation hospital in Southeast Michigan, solely dedicated to physical medicine and rehabilitation, providing hope and healing to patients for over 65 years. And finally, uh, speaking of finals weekend, which is what we have, the winners in all divisions uh, are part of the state's, you know, we're a part of the state's final four. EA Graphics created the four specially designed apparel uh, that has uh, the teams that made it in each division with their school logos. You can get that merchandise or now get your finals matchup merchandise and your championship merchandise when we find out what happens this weekend. Uh, because EA Graphics is an exclusive provider of MHSAA championship mer merchandise and uh, they want to celebrate. Celebrate your season. You can order all of the championship gear for the recent state finals for golf and tennis and cross country and soccer, as well as all the football. Get it all at shopmhsaa.com. All right. Thank you for bearing with me. It is time to get into our finals preview as we uh, move into the home stretch here of our second to last state champs, Michigan extra point podcast. So uh, Scott and Matt are here. Felt needed a reintroduction after that uh, long-winded uh, promotion there. Uh, but let's start in D8. We have got Centerville taking on Ubley. And boy, you talk about another shocker that happened this weekend. It was Ubley uh, getting it done in a big way. And uh, we all had it wrong here on the State Champs team when it came to predictions of that one. Uh, how do you see this matchup, Matt? Well, this is one where I, I always it interests me at this time of the year when I go back and look at the surveys that I sent out in the summer. And granted, that was like a year and a half ago, it feels like. Mm -hmm. But Rick Bailey from Reading told me on his survey when he sent it back in, a lot of times I'll ask Coach to kind of rank the contenders. He gave me like two. And then after that, just said, D8 is wide open. It could be any number of 10 teams. Still, saying that, I don't think anyone would have picked this final matchup between – Ubley and Centerville that are just for a lot of reasons were not on the radar as far as contenders. Both of them are coming from kind of similar places in terms of respect and even in their own conferences and expectations and, and from a coaching continuity standpoint. Still, this is an Ubley team that didn't completely come out of nowhere. They were one point away in a loss against Beale City last year from playing at Ford Field. 
but they haven't been to the finals since 2008. They lost in the semifinals in 2009 and 2016. They've got a little bit of a history. On the other side of the ball, Centerville has no history in the postseason, really. They hadn't made it out of districts ever. Both of them have first-year coaches, which is kind of a rarity because, you know, kind of going back to that, you never know what you're going to get and kind of philosophy. You you just don't know what's going to happen in a coach's first year, especially when you had all of the weirdness with this season as far as trying to get, you know, game plans implemented. This is the first season. This is actually the fourth head coach in four years for Ubley. First year for Bill Sweeney, who had been the JV coach uh, most recently. He just kind of tried to keep things simple for the Bearcats. They're running the same power T offense and same 52 defense that they've been running forever. He has a pair of former Ubley head coaches and Jim Becker and Dave Kaufman on his staff. And he's got, you know, other guys who've been around the program around. On the other side, this is, you know, a... Tyler Langs was the coach at, at Centerville last year. He had gone 17 and six over the previous two years, went three and six in his first year, made the playoffs in back-to-back seasons for the first time since 2007, 2008. Then he left for Plainwell in the summer. In came former Niles defensive coach Jerry Schultz as the first year coach. And this is, a, a program that's gone three and six and six previous playoff appearances never gone out of districts until this year. But obviously this is a team that we talked about a little bit last week before when we were previewing the Clarkson Everest collegiate semifinal matchup. This is a Centerville team that is kind of a reflection of the defensive mentality of Schultz only given up 29 points all season, six shutouts in the field. Ubley's the same way. Their defense has only given up more than 14 points twice this season, 28, total points in five playoff games with two shutouts. That was key against, as you mentioned, that was kind of an upset with with Joburg because Johannesburg-Lewiston did one of those things that is hard for downstate teams. They went across the bridge and came back with a win. And when you do that, that's one of those kind of things that if you've been watching this long enough, you kind of go, oh, maybe that's a team, you know, kind of one of those teams of destiny. Ubley was the more physical team of at the line of scrimmage uh, against Joburg bottled up their, you know, Johannesburg Lewis's big running attack of Sheldon Huff, Logan May and Preston Marlott and Carson Holeski, who has been the kind of the workhorse running back for Ubley was more effective on defense, 11 solo tackles, five assists as his running mate, Nolan Van Erp had 12 tackles. Haleski had run for four touchdowns against Beecher, 300 yards and two touchdowns in the win over Carson City. They held him to 23 yards, but what that did was it opened up some of Ubley's other options like Evan Peruski, their freshman uh, quarterback. And so it, it was, they were able to diversify enough away from Haleski, but it's going to be, this is going to be one of those matchups that is probably going to be, you don't know that it's going to be in single digits, but you wouldn't be surprised if you see one of those 13, 12 kind of outcomes in this game, given the way these defenses play. It's unfortunate that um, Everest Academy had to drop out, you know, yeah. Uh, forfeit or semifinal game uh, for COVID release uh, COVID related reasons, and uh, you know who knows what would have been, you know what our matchup would have been. Uh, on yeah, Saturday. I, I really believe Everest Collegiate was playing so well that they were going to win that game, uh, no matter who they played. Uh, I really felt they were the odds-on favorite to it's win the whole thing. Pill, it's a tough pill to swallow to have to bow out of the tournament without actually playing a game. It is. I will say this for Centerville: uh, beating Reading was. Yes. 
the big one. You know what I mean? Uh, I was expecting Reading to be right back there at, at Ford Field this year and winning it. Uh, they won convincingly 32-14. to 14. Didn't get a chance to play last week. They'll be fresh. You know, Ubley is outside of the USA matchup, the unionville Sabuin game that went to overtime. They have absolutely creamed their playoff opponents. So uh, they're going into this one uh, super hot offense, super explosive. Uh, so, yeah, I think it is uh, – you know, it's a matter of a great defense against a great offense, and we're going to see how things play out. Uh, gentlemen, who do you pick? Ugly. I got ugly. Pick ugly as well. Okay, so we're all we're all on the same page. I'm going to have to have five different wins against Matt. It's the only way that I can tie him for uh, our playoff picks here. I'm down by five. I know Chuck is down by about 35, but uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but I don't know if we're going to get there because I I think I think Matt and I actually both usually are. You know, we're only about one or two off. You know, in terms of generally at least the last couple of rounds. I think we only had like one. We uh, we the ones we did we were the same on that lost we both picked both you know lost, the other yeah. team we yeah, we both yeah. lost and then I and the only one I got the only one I got I got one on you uh, I can't you even remember deal us out deal us out that's right you got you to go park I went with the storyline yeah, yeah you did you went with yeah. yeah and look it went to overtime it could have been just like West Bloomfield yeah. that that game could have been had four overtimes yep. very easily and something freaky would have happened let's move on Scott. Division two. Oh, and by the way, we're doing these in the, the way the games will be played. So Centerville Ubley will be Friday at 10 a.m. at Ford Field. Mm -hmm. The one o'clock game will be Division two. And these are traditional, always the same. They don't change these, which I, I kind of dig, actually, that it's always the same. Muskegon Mona Shores, Warren D. LaSalle, round three yeah. in the state finals. Team of Destiny uh, in De La Salle versus the defending state champs in Mona Shores. You know, it, it's a it's a great matchup. Uh, I'm eager to see it. Um, we talked about De La Salle, uh, you know, earlier in the show, but uh, obviously when we're talking about Mona Shores, you know, the first name comes up is Brady Rose. Um, you know, one of the most exciting players in the state. Uh, you know, a Swiss Army knife of a player does everything and does it spectacularly. Um, again, another another one of these guys that maybe doesn't check all the boxes in terms of the tangibles, but in, in the intangibles, he checks every box that you could ever want. Um, Ferris State is very lucky to have him come into the fold. Wherever they, wherever they put him, he's going to be making plays. But there are a lot of playmakers on Mona Shores that we've kind of overlooked when, when we talk about Mona Shores because it becomes kind of the – you know, the Brady Rose show when, when you're uh, discussing the highlights because he's in so many of the highlights. But, uh, you know, I want to I shout out Keandre Pierce, who's their cornerback and slot receiver, who's actually the winningest player in Mona Shore's history. I think he's got like 40, uh -huh. 45, That's 45 right. wins. Yeah. Or four, no, 30, no, no. 30, 35 wins. 35 yeah, yeah. wins. Yep. I got my notes yep. here. Yep. <laughs> uh, linebacker, uh, you know, Carson Maryhu uh, has been uh, kind of the quarterback of, of the linebacking unit and has played really well. Um, he's just kind of a – he's a Brett Stanley type where he, he looks like he's more of a wrestler than a football player. Just, you know, 230 pounds of just solid rock muscle, no body fat. Uh, is just kind of going like a wild banshee sideline to sideline. 
And then in the middle, on um, the defensive line, uh, Mason Kloss, I think I brought him up uh, a week or two ago. You know, he's a, he's a behemoth, uh, a rogue grader, um, a guy that, that, that protects uh, Rose in that offense. And, and, and obviously uh, Bryce uh, uh, Sikenga is another lineman as a 300 pounder that uh, is a, is a stalwart on that, on that line. Um, and then, you know, Elijah Johnson's been pretty good uh, running the ball uh, out of the backfield. And Gary Humphrey uh, is a, is a real sleeper um, as a, uh, as a corner and wide receiver. He's going to Wayne state or grand Valley. Wayne state. Wayne so, state, I believe. Yep. you know, they're stacked, um, you know, in terms of, you know, the, 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 the you know, the, the playmaking factor and the difference-making factor, you might have to, you know, throw your, your lot in with Muskegon Mona Shores. Um, they've got so many of them. But, you know, like I said, De La Salle is a team of destiny. Uh, it, this is a real toss-up. Uh, you know, Uncle Mo, if you will, the, you know, all the momentum, I would say, is on De La Salle's side. Um this is just going to be a, a a real like a steel you know like a, a WrestleMania steel cage match. Yeah. Uh, no holds barred. You know the rules are there are no rules, and it just should just should be a great game. You know on paper, like I said, I, I would probably pick Mona Shores, um, but my gut is telling me that De La Salle is going to pull a Mona Shores. You know Mona right. Shores came in right. last year as the underdog and yep. ended up winning and. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick De La Salle, even though I, I I think conventional wisdom tells me to pick Mona Shores. In my mind, this is the from a matchup perspective, two teams that are about as evenly matched, in my opinion, as you can get are these two teams. You know, uh, you've got uh, athletes who play multiple sports on these two teams. You know what I mean? You 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 know that you know three quarters of them are are playing basketball or they're wrestling and they're playing baseball and that you know they're athletes. Uh they both have strengths in similar areas. Muskegamona Shores, you know, again, they 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 were struggling uh, on Saturday and Brady Rose and company find a way to pull themselves up and come back and win the game. And they've just done it time and time again uh, when they haven't been just completely dominating opponents. They've, they've been just finding ways to win. De La Salle, same way a, a team everyone counted out at the beginning after they lost to Brother Rice. The way they lost is like, oh, I just don't think it's going to be De La Salle's year because we weren't really impressed with Brother Rice at that point. At that point. No. Uh, and finding ways to win you know they're up in the game against oak park oak park comes all the way back uncle mo and you know grandma mo and everything's <laughs> in. uncle mo and mo night the knights had ninth, all the mo ninth cousin remove mo knights had all the mo deontay dandridge makes that play uh and so they're a team that is resilient finds a way to win never gives up do or die uh, I really believe this is this could be. I I, ho I mean, I, I think it could be the best game we have out of the whole weekend. Uh, I think it could be, you know, just a a, a game that you're going to see big plays on both ends. You're going to see, uh, you know, something controversial that's going to uh, allow a team to continue a drive, or you know, because it's going to be that tight. Uh, I think you've got great coaching. I think you've got great players. Um, it's gonna. It's really hard. Um, and to pick, and you've got, of course, the storylines, everything that De La Salle's been through, and, with, and for them to be back, uh, that shows a lot of resiliency. 
the the rivalry over the last several years between these two communities is well known and those I guarantee it if 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 they would have allowed it every single player who had been on one of those Mona Shores teams in the losses to De La Salle would have been in Ford Field and every single player who had won those games against Muskegon maybe including Justin Abdul Kader and Danny DeKaiser yeah. would have been at Ford Field yeah. watching those games um Obviously, we we can't have that, but that's I think what this this means is this kind of like just it's the Lakers, you know, Celtics kind of thing that's just brewing here in Division Two over the last ten years, and it's really cool. Um, gentlemen, who do you pick in this one, Matt? Let's start with you. Any time this season that I've picked against either of them, it feels like it has cost me, but I. Uh... I think I'm going to go with Mona Shores. Okay, that's good. This is one that I, we can differ then on because uh, I could literally go either way. I could flip a coin and right. be happy with either decision. I will take Warren Diesel-Slough ba- based on the fact that you chose Mona Shores. Uh, but what a great battle. How about you there, Scott? I'm going De La Salle. Like okay. I said, conventional wisdom yep. tells me to pick Mona, but my yep. heart's telling me to go with De La Salle. Hey, that's cool. And you know what? Uh, I think the I think both teams are coming in uh, strong, healthy. I think we're going to get the best best game out of both teams, and it's going to be fun to watch. Division six, Matt Montague and Clinton, um, both teams very impressive uh, this this playoff season. Uh, really liked uh, what Clinton has been able to do uh, to get here to the to the finals. Yeah, this is going to be the fifth state finals appearance for Montague. They won titles, obviously, back in 2008 and 2009. I think kind of the cool thing is that the quarterback starter in all five of those appearances will be on the Montague sidelines this weekend. Cody Cater, who is now the offensive coordinator, QB the Wildcats in the two title seasons. Pat Collins, the coach, was the quarterback in the 1992 loss to DeBoris. And Drew Collins was a starter in the loss to Lumen Christie two years ago, mm-hmm. will be the starter again. And we've talked a lot about how impressive that offense is, led by Drew Collins. I think what gets overlooked sometimes is the Montague defense, which is the Montague defense is impressive. They gave up 56 points in the regular season. More than half of that was in the win over Whitehall, but it's only given up 44 more in the postseason. You start up front with Walker Martin and Hayden McDonald, the two big guys on the line, over a hundred tackles combined between the two of them and double digit tackles for loss. On the back end, you've got Isaac Jarka, who has nine interceptions, and a lot of that, you know, when you have good pressure up front, that helps the back end. Outside linebacker Rodney Brasfield leads the team in tackles. This is a defense that, I mean, if you want to preach the defense wins championships mantra, this is one of those types of defenses that can do that for you. Clinton's got a very good defense as well. This is the third finals appearance for Clinton. 2013 and 2015, the other two times they they were in this spot, they were running up against Ithaca at the height of Ithaca's dynasty in the middle of the of the decade. You talked earlier, coaches always talk about uh, wrestling experience being a bonus for football. Obviously, when you've got a wrestling program to draw from like Clinton's, which has been on just an astronomically high. Yes. High level that helps. There's a lot of crossover between those two yep, teams. Yep, I think yep. there are four or five guys, starting with All American wrestler Braden Randolph, who was the 
He was the all-conference player of the year last season, was nicked up a little bit in the middle of the season this year. He's still leading the Clinton defense and tackles with 90. It's one of those programs that's got a big offensive line, and you kind of depend on that when you run the straight station like you do. You've got a 300-pounder in Will Feltz. Got a big offensive lineman in Tyler Bowles. Don't pass a whole lot, so it's going to be a little bit of a contrast in styles. They didn't pass at all in the win over Constantine. It's going to be interesting, though. If, if that if that offensive line can can mash out the yards and keep the ball away from Montague, that may be something that will help Clinton out. But Montague's defense is going to be real hard to hold the ball against just because of how stout they are. So I think that's going to be the game within a game is to see if that that big offensive line against Montague's real big and talented defensive line, who who holds up in that matchup and if Clinton is able to to kind of hold onto the ball and possess it. Yeah, I mean, Constantine had had a fantastic season. Uh, yes. And, and and you know, really had been impressing us. Uh, you know, Clinton clearly uh, was the team uh, of destiny, if you want to use that, uh, you know, motive to get into the state finals. Uh, they they just played a, an outstanding game. The highlights when you watch it, you you, you see, uh, you know, obviously going up a, a Montague team that's just uh, explosive, putting up points. Uh, you know, when you when you've got those leaders, I I didn't know that. I remember Cody Cater; he was awesome. Uh, you know, having all that on the sideline. I I mean, you know. Um, I, I, I personally, there's no way I can pick against Montague uh, in this one. I love what you're saying, and I think that Clinton is going to be there, and they're going to be knocked down, drag out. But in the end, Montague's so explosive. Montague's going to yeah. win this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I go with Montague as well. All right, we are looking forward to it. We've got one more to preview on Friday. Friday's nightcap, always the Division Four game. Uh, we've talked about both these teams already today. Uh, let's just quickly talk about the matchup, Cadillac versus Detroit Country Day. Matt. Yeah, and I mentioned a little bit about this maybe last week or the week before when we were talking about, you know, possibility of a big North team getting to the finals had never happened before. If I checked, if it was my cursory check of the record books was correct, there's not been a big North team to, to represent the conference in the finals. Traverse City, if you want to call it a current school, is the last uh, big North team to be in the finals, and that was before the split of the two Traverse City schools, and it won the title in 1998. This conference was created after the split of the two Traverse City schools, you know, and it's got TC West, TC Central, Cadillac, Petoskey, Gaylord, Alpina, Sheboygan was in for a while, Sault Ste. Marie, Ogama Heights was in for a while. None of those have ever done what Cadillac has done this year. And we talked about, you know, what an amazing underdog they were against Edwards. But they've kind of been that all postseason long. Sault Ste. Marie was a team that I think early on people were like, okay, they were 6-2 and two and they were kind of rolling coming into the game. Cadillac handled them. Forest Hills Eastern was on a roll. They yeah. knocked off Spring Lake and Whitehall, and we kind of all you know thought Forest Hills Eastern was that Cadillac handled them. And then Edwardsburg. And it's, so being in an underdog role like the Vikings will be this weekend is not going to be new to them. It's been what they've been dealing with all along. But they are – 
completely beyond any of the realm of, you know, what they've been used to. The, Cadillac is a, is a program that's been in the playoffs 13 previous times. Seven of those were one and dones. Five of them ended in regionals, 2005, 6, 10, 13, 19. Had never gotten past regionals until now. Against, of course, as we mentioned, a, a country day program that's been here repeatedly. But this, as, as I mentioned earlier, this is what the motivation has been for country day. Going to the finals last year, facing a Grand Rapids Catholic Central team that was on a mission and just getting, I mean, it, it was a competitive game, but when you look at the scoreboard, the scoreboard showed that it was not tremendously competitive. And, and you know, just talking to the players, this is the thing. I mean, Brandon Mann said this is what's been driving us all season, just that heartbreak we felt last year. Didn't want to feel that again. Danny McLean said when you go to the Ford Field and you have all this great talk about how great you are and you get embarrassed in the state championship, that's always in the back of your head. That's always, every single week, that's what, what they've been focused on. So this kind of feels like, you know, one of those Cinderella teams in Cadillac that, that – you know, eventually midnight might strike against a country day team that is not going to take it lightly simply because they've, they're just as motivated. And I think this is going to probably end up being country day win. Uh, I have parallels between Cadillac. I think of Cadillac, and although uh, I'm going to be comparing them to a much smaller smaller school, uh, something that comes to mind was Ottawa Lake Whiteford, uh, a team that really had not really done much, really anything, and then they just got on a little run. I think Cadillac is beginning this little run where uh, Ottawa Lake, they did a semifinals run and then went to two straight finals, lost in their first finals, uh, pretty handily and then won the next year when they beat Saginaw Nouveau. And uh, I, I, I kind of have those comparisons that I think, you know, um, that Cadillac, you know, and that's what happens in high school football. You have these little cycles where you've got all of a sudden this program uh, becomes a state contender and it may go away and may, may never happen again. Ottawa Lake Whiteford since has fallen back to kind of what it was before. Um, Obviously, with Country Day, I've been nothing but disappointed with them in their state finals performances uh, that I can remember. Uh, always gone in with a lot of hype. And uh, it seems like, for me, always picking Country Day to win this game and always being disappointed. Uh, last year was really um, just unbelievable. They didn't really show up last year. Unbelievable. So... Um, are we going to get that this season? Scott? I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think that this season specifically has been a um, – I mean, Dan McClain is, is one of the better coaches that we have in Metro Detroit, but I think that he, his, his ability to run a program and keep everything moving along in the middle of chaos – there, the, it hasn't really been reported that much because you don't want to really get into, you know, kids' medical issues. But I mean, they've had a lot of COVID issues where they've had to either cancel games or cancel practices. It's been more stop and go for them than it's been for the average team. And Dan has just kept these guys um, gunning and and moving forward and and picking up momentum and and making sure that um, they can. You know, this is kind of a cliche, but something he told me, and it's, it rings true. You control what you can control. And I think they've done a great job. And I think that's going to 
pay dividends in, in the state finals and, and kind of flip the script for them. And I, I see them uh, winning their first state championship in 21 years when Dan was a, I don't know if he was a first-year coach, but he was in his first couple years. He'd been an assistant under uh, Joe D'Angelo when they won the title in 95, I believe, or were, uh, D'Angelo won at least one or two state championships for yeah. For Country Day, so, um, and then I just want to add one more quick recruiting note. If we can do a uh, a, a breaking news audio, okay. Uh, in the last couple hours, Bowling Green has come in and offered Brandon Mann oh, his first okay. Division One offer. I'm sure there'll be more yeah. coming down the pike. He's a junior, okay. Um, another one of uh-huh. these kids that's just like uh, kind of uh, along the lines of a Marion Robowski, where he's just a yeah. physical specimen, yeah, and that's kind of improving. Uh, on the, the mechanics of the quarterback position and just has a tremendous upside. He's so. been getting better and better and better. I think a lot of eyes are going to be on him this weekend. I think a lot of uh, scouts are going to yep. say, okay, this is a big stage yep. uh, and uh, let's see how this young man performs and see if he can do it again. And And uh, Country Day has certainly played very well this season. They had a good schedule to it. I mean, they had to play Notre Dame prep twice, beat them twice, uh, beat U of D Jesuit. Their only uh, losses to Rice. Brother right? Rice, you know, and Brother Rice at the time was rolling. You know, they had beaten Orchard Lake and beaten De La Salle and almost beat Catholic Central. Um, you know, so uh, no shame in that game. Lanfear was a team that was unbelievable this year. I mean, they were absolutely crushing opponents this year. Um, talk about strength of schedule. Brother, it, Brother Rice is their only real loss. Yeah. The, the other two were forfeit forfeits. Loss. Right, exactly. The other one. Armada was a forfeit, yeah. Uh, and North Branch was a team that had an amazing season this year. Brother Rice, I mean, uh, Country Day one thirty-eight to nothing mm-hmm. in the regionals. Uh, and Williamson, another really good team. Uh, Country Day has given up, uh, you know, basically uh, 14 points in the, in the, in the playoffs. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, 22, 22 points. Or 24 points. Uh, 26 points. Excuse me. My math is terrible. We're <laughs> journalists. We're not math. Yeah. Bottom line is they haven't given up much. They're going to win this game. I, I, I believe that. that's where we're at. But uh, I believe that don't forget about Cadillac. This is a team I think that we are, is going to be somebody to reckon with uh, for at least the next couple of years. We'll see uh, how this win. they got some great players there. And it's going to be an interesting game. Let's move to Saturday. Uh, the Division Seven game, New Lothrop and Traverse City St. Francis, uh, two programs who f- are familiar with Ford Field. Uh, and um, how do you see this one play out there, Matthew? This feels like a trap game, even if it shouldn't, because we kind of when you were looking at the the contenders in D seven, there there were a lot of them. You talked about Schoolcraft, you talked about New Lothrop, you even talked about Detroit Loyola. You know, the, Lumen the Christi they had, yeah, Lumen, uh, Ithaca, Ithaca was unbeaten, Palamo Australia. You know, New Lothrop knocked off Schoolcraft, knocked off Loyola in its last two. Cass City eliminated Ithaca, and COVID in the stoppage got rid of undefeated teams in PW and Oscoda. And then St. Francis is just kind of laying in the weeds. You know, they had a four and two regular season, which, you know, their losses were to Kingsley and Sault Ste. Marie. Neither of those are, you know, devastating or out of the bounds of, of reality. If first three rounds of the playoffs, they beat some teams that you don't, you know, 
think of when you talk about contenders, they beat Lance, they beat Harbor Springs, and it was a Charlevoix team that had a good record, but was really having a renaissance season and hadn't been that kind of, so, and I think everybody was kind of waiting for that Oscoda versus St. Francis matchup in the regionals that never materialized because the Owls came back from the break and, and did not have enough players to, to field a team. So everybody's kind of just sort of forgotten about a St. Francis team that's won six titles and made nine trips to the finals. They were in the finals every year, but two from 2003 to 2009, five out of seven years. This is one of those programs, like we talked about, the small school royalty. So it's 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 one of those where they have certainly the talent to be here, but everybody just kind of, you know, it wasn't a normal St. Francis regular season and, and the postseason hasn't, you know, had a really grab you game. So they, they haven't really had one of those, you know, moments where they grab your attention. New Lothrop, we've talked a lot about them in the last three years, simply because they're, they're one of those programs that feels like it's on the precipice of becoming what St. Francis has been over the last couple of decades. Yeah. And it's, it was a run that New Lothrop has had that could have been better when you consider that every year between 2011 and 2019, they either won the title with the exception of one year, they either won the title or lost to the team that did. In 2011, they ran into Menden. In 2012, they ran into Harbor Beach. 2013, Muskegon Catholic Central. 2014, Detroit Loyola. 2015, Ishpeming. 2016, they ran into Ubley in regionals, and then Ubley lost to PW. But 2017, they they ran into PW again. 2018, they won the title. 2019, mm-hmm. run into D7 champ PW. You know, it's one of those where if a break goes one way or the other in that run, you could be talking about a new Lothar program that has three, four five titles in the last decade, but really they've only got the one, but this is a program that's got, I mean, we've talked about, you know, all the guys they've got Cam Orr and Will Muron and all of those guys. These, this, this team has a chance to be one of those just truly special teams. No doubt about it. Uh, that 2018 finals against Madison Heights, Madison is, is the one that put it on the map for me because I thought no one, uh, is going to outgun Austin Brown in that team that year, and New Lothar was able to do it, winning fifty to forty-four. Epic game last year in the regionals against uh-huh. Paywamo Westphalia, thirty-six thirty-five. Uh, a, a team that is just uh, going to be penciling. Uh, they're going to be booking this trip to, to Ford Field, I, I think, uh, with regularity. There may be the odd year here and there, but uh, this is a program that uh, I think is here to stay. Uh, I, I'm taking New Lothrop. Yeah, New Lothrop. You, Matt? I'm going to take New Lothrop as well. Yep. All right. We've, uh, we talked about West Bloomfield and what their powerful uh, presence is. Um, we didn't talk so far yet about Davison and what they've been able, what they were able to do to get here uh, in Division One. That will be the 1 o'clock game. Uh, there was this weird rumor yesterday rolling around. Yeah. Well, uh, that's part of what, you know, I'll be Go quick. Go ahead. I'll be quick. Um, I'll break down these last three uh, state finals and, and try to do it in a timely fashion. Uh, so, you know, Davis and West Bloomfield uh, squaring off for the Division One state championship game. You know, probably the number one and number two team in the state. It seems like they've been on a collision course all season. Um, West Bloomfield looking for their first state championship and trying to put a stamp on this Ron Bellamy era. Um and then Davis and the defending champs. And uh, again, one of these teams that has been the picture of resilience and, you know, just at, 
a well-oiled machine would be the best way to describe them. Uh, losing their All-State quarterback, Brendan Sullivan, who was a starter last year, to an early enrollment at Northwestern didn't really have much of an effect on on uh, the last two games as Deion Brown, the Wayne State wide receiver commit, has stepped in at quarterback and made sure that that, um, that offense is, is still uh, a juggernaut. Uh, they, you know, beat up on a pretty good Rockford team last week. I believe the final was 27-3 or um, along those lines. Mm-hmm. But the rumors that that uh, Lauren just alluded to were um, the rumors that, have began, uh, that began circulating, uh, I believe, Sunday night that the Davison program is possibly in talks with Pat Fitzgerald over at Northwestern for getting a um, – a waiver or a release for, for Brennan Sullivan to return uh, to Detroit uh, or to return to Michigan uh, over this weekend and uh, step back under center for one more game as the Davison Cardinals starting quarterback. I have no idea, you know, the validity factor. I've heard it from a couple people. I know that the West Bloomfield program has heard that and is preparing for the possibility that they might face Sullivan on Saturday. So who knows? It, it could be just you know, it could just be gamesmanship, and you know, Davison putting that out there into the ether to, to kind of confuse and and scare West Bloomfield. It's really bizarre. For me, it seems like you'd be setting some dangerous precedent here if a kid has already left school, enrolled at another's. I'm sure the semester started but, there. But yes, but Michigan hasn't started their semester yet. And other, that's kind of one have, of the things you have these early enrollees who are not there yet. But you do have other kids that are enrolled. Like right. with West Bloomfield, Harrison's enrolled at Kentucky right. and Edwards is enrolled at Michigan. Right, right but now. Michigan's semester hasn't started yet. Yeah, so he, sure. that so that first semester right. is still finishing. So he's not a student yet until tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow the 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 the, the new the new semester starts Does tomorrow. It? Okay, well, hey, if that the, if the report date was on the 18th. if all of a sudden you know Davidson comes out and they're warming up and then all of a sudden the lights drop, the smoke rolls, and Andrew Sullivan comes chugging Brandon, out of Brandon it. Sullivan. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Andrew Sullivan too. <laughs> that will be something amazing. Who and, knows? I mean, yeah, exactly. And and uh, why not? That would just add a capper to the most bizarre football season yeah. in the history of high school football. Uh, the bottom line is uh, somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to le- got to lose. What say you? I'm going to go with West Bloomfield. I think it's going to be another down of the wire yeah. classic. Uh, I'm going to say you know 28 27. West Bloomfield gets this dub, but uh, you know, it's, <laughs> Davidson is a tough. Tough, yeah. tough out. They are no doubt about it. Their line play is as good as anybody in the state. Um, uh, but I, I do, I, I do believe West Bloomfield's going to get it done. I do believe Donovan Edwards, from what I've seen, and his commitment to getting this done. Like you know, we have talked about on this podcast before. If they were going to have spring football, he was going to figure out a way to play for West Bloomfield the this year. The recruiting stars mean nothing to him. No. I saw him after that game against Belleville, and he's sitting there. Him and Maxwell Harrison are hugging. He's like, "We're going to the show. We're going to the show, baby." Right. Yeah, like this meant so much. To yeah. him. I mean, as a freshman, he played on that team that went to the state finals and, and lost he, three right. to two. And he, he actually the was the worst a, game 
ever. Yeah. He was a contributor on that team and actually I think might have started the state finals, but it, I, you know, he was a baby. Yeah, and I now, know. now this is his That was team. the Tristan Jackson yeah. West No, no, Lopez. that was actually Bryce, v, uh, Bryce okay. Beasley. Tristan Jackson, by the way, will be in the house at oh, okay. Ford Field. Okay. Um, Jackson was not on that team? No, Tristan Jackson kind of started the whole Ron Bellamy era. Okay. And they had, they both, they kept on getting upset okay. in the district. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Got it. They were undefeated one of his yeah, years. Yeah, the Bryce Beasley years. Okay. Lance yeah. Dixon was on that team. Yes. Yeah. Lance Dixon was on the yeah. 17 team. Yeah, 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 yeah for yeah. sure. Uh, all right, uh, Matt, you? Who you take? We keep asking the question. Yeah, we keep asking the question if somebody can take away Donovan. You're going to take Davis. One-dimensional. And he keeps answering no. So, and Davison has as good a chance as anybody is stopping him, but I haven't seen anybody do it yet. So, other than Ron Bellamy, Ron has stopped yeah. him a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, exactly. let's, let, let me also just Early finish this, this off. Let me finish off by saying <laughs> Ron Bellamy looks like a genius, and people like me look like a jerk <laughs> for sitting there over the last year and kind of critiquing it. And some of it was yeah, tongue in cheek, and so, you know, sure, saying like, yeah. and some of it was selfish, like, yeah. just give me more of Donovan Edwards. Um, and you know Ron's strategy this whole last two years has been to keep him fresh, to keep you know uh, you know the load management uh, approach and um, you know limit tread on the tires. So when he gets to Michigan, when he gets into the playoffs this senior year, and just in a, you know just a quick example, uh, their one loss of the season was to Clarkston. I yeah. think it was week three. Yeah. He had uh, Donovan Edwards had five touches the entire game. And that was when Ronnie was really coming under some fire uh, for not utilizing him. And now, you know, since he he's, uh, you know, unleashed him and has taken, you know, has uh, loosened the reins, if you will, Donovan is just running wild and is so fresh. Uh, and that's because he's been load managed the last two years. So good point. Ronnie good point. knows what he's doing, and I'm just a and you're taking idiot broadcast as well. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, we've got two more to get to here before we finish, guys. Thank you for uh, for joining us. These these always run a ton longer than I expected. I'll be to. real quick with these. But last that's two. okay. It's okay. We we still want to give these schools their credit because we got really two great matchups here uh, that are going to end. And 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 many times the last couple are the best games of the state finals in Division Five: Grand Rapids Catholic Central and Frankenmuth. So GRCC is the defending state champion. They had a a true. Brilliant performance last uh, last November or two Novembers ago, I guess, uh, against Country Day. Joey Silveri, aka Joey Football, was looking like Johnny Football in his prime at Texas A and M. Uh, J- uh, Jace Williams, one of the best receivers to ever play in the MHSAA, just catches touchdowns like you know, like it's his job, and it, it very well could be yeah. uh, four years from now. Um, Nolan Ziegler is the, probably the unsung hero. Uh, the Notre Dame commit, he's only a junior. He's a safety. He's the quarterback of the back end of that defense and is a hard hitter, uh, has a great motor, great instinct. Um, but, you know, this game is probably going to come down to um, Franken Booth's middle linebacker and the captain of their defense, Connor Roach, Another one of these uh, uh, wrestling guys that's just built like a fire, you know, it's a fire plug, you know, built like a, like a, uh, you know, someone from the WWE um, and just goes out there and imposes his will on um, opposing offenses. So, you know, he's going to kind of be in spy mode uh, with, with Joey football. So I'm excited for that kind of game within a game. And then I want to shout out some other. Now, Frankenmuth guys that maybe don't get a, enough love. They're two linemen. Um, 
Ethan Jacobs and Kyle Maine do a great job. They were both, uh, I believe, first team All State. They do a great job of of uh, you know heading the protection unit. Maine's a I don't know where he's going uh, for college, but he's like six six three twenty. I don't know if he has any offers, but please, someone get in there and offer him. <laughs> yeah, Lawrence Steck will take him. Yeah, I mean, he looks really good. Um, and then, uh, you know, they have a really good uh, uh, group of running backs. Uh, you know, a, guy, a, a lot of guys that can, can move the chains. And, you know, GRCC is the, is the experienced, uh, you know, has, has the experience factor. Devin Reef is playing some great quarterback for for Frank and Moose. So this is this is going to be a a nip and tuck battle. Yeah. Um at the end of the day I'm going to go with GRCC, but I think Frank and Muth is is nothing to sneeze at and and is someone that will will go in there and, and give GRCC all that it can handle. Let me say this. I believe it's Grand Rapids Catholic Central has not been challenged really much. This season, the one team they played that really had a, a good record was Grand Rapids South Christian, and it took them to overtime for them to be able to beat them. They both have played Freeland, uh, Grand Rapids Catholic Central, off fresh off beating Freeland. They won 49 14. Frankenmuth beat Freeland 41 3 to open the season. Uh, Frankenmuth, on the other hand, has been, uh, I think, a program this season that has really put together a solid campaign uh, and really handled Lansing Catholic, a good Lansing Catholic uh, team on Saturday. Um, you know, beat Bridgeport a couple times. Almont was in the state finals, or Almont was not in the, is in the state finals recently. Blank them. Uh, Corona, Marine City, you know, a great, historic, wonderful program. Ran all over them. Uh, gave up a touchdown early after that. All Frankenmuth. Um, I'm taking Frankenmuth. I believe Frankenmuth is is going to. Uh, I, I do not believe Grand Rapids Catholic Central has played a team as good as Frankenmuth, and that's always scary when it's in the state finals. Matt, your thought? I, I agree with you. I think I think what we're talking about is the difference between the experience of this season, which, like you said, Frankenmuth has had a a gauntlet they've had to run and the experience overall Catholic Central's kids have been there they've gone through the and it's when you walk into that place for the first time there's an awe factor that you know kids kind of have to get over and a lot of times you'll see first time teams that first couple minutes of the game they're kind of you know looking around at, at the the setting I think that may be the biggest hurdle for Frankenmuth but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take Catholic Central just based on the fact that they've got so many offensive weapons. Cool. All right. There you go. Last one. The D3 game. Couple of, uh, well, we've got, you know, um, well, we ha- we've got a great game here between DeWitt and River Rouge. And uh, you do have a Mr. Well, you actually do have a Mr. Football Final Four candidate because he won the popular vote in yeah. Ty Holtz running DeWitt. Uh, DeWitt has been amazing all season. No one's come close to them. They've been pounding and, and they beat you in any way they need to beat you. They have been a juggernaut. They have been all that and a bag of chips. But now you got to play River Rouge. Yep. Uh, we talked about Mariano Rabowski, what he's been able to do, and it all started with his dismantling of Muskegon in last year's state title game. Uh, and he has, you know, basically picked up where he left off uh, and, uh, and and getting stronger and stronger and better and better every single game. Um, so talk with, about it. So with DeWitt, you got tie holes, uh, you know, in terms of the eye test, in terms of 
uh, you know, wins and losses in terms of stats. Ty Holtz was the best quarterback in the state this year. Uh, I think it's hard to argue. He had close to 3,000 yards passing, 31 touchdowns, I think, against two or three picks. Yeah. Um, was just surgical. Uh, Tommy McIntosh, uh, building off of a great summer on the camp circuit, um, looks like one of the best receivers in the class of 22. Uh, he's Ty Holtz's... Um, you know, he, he's the Tyree kill to, mm-hmm. to Ty Holtz's uh, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. But then you, you go over to the other side of the ball and you look at River Rouge, the defending state champs. And believe me, it, it's more than Marion Rabowski. Right. They've got 17 college bound players right now. And that's not counting the underclassmen. Right now, they got 17 kids signed up to play Division One, Two, or Three college football. Um, in in 2021, so that's just that's impressed. That number on itself really sticks out. Um, so when you, you got guys like you know Devontae Miles on the line, he's a Michigan recruit. He's actually he's not signed. He's a he's a junior, but he just committed to Michigan. He will be. Yeah. Um, Armorian Smith, who we mentioned before, the safety. Jalen Johnson on the line. He's going to Ball State. Uh, a guy that I really love as a cornerback, Davion Haynes, one of the more underrated defensive backs in Metro Detroit. Uh, P.S. Ajogu, uh, another um, defensive lineman, he's going to Central Michigan. Tyler McMillan, another really good offensive line. By the way, this is why Marion Rabowski, in addition to, to, to the physical size that he brings and athleticism, he's got a really, really high-quality offensive line. Uh, Tyler McMillan, one of the more uh, you know undervalued offensive line recruits. He's going to Tulsa. So you got a lot of guys that are going to go play college football. You know, you add to that, you know, the fact that they're the defending state champions, they're they're coming off a resounding win against Chelsea. I, I love the DeWitt offense. Um, I just don't know if they're up to the task to end up taking out a Rivers defense that is as primed as they are and are as – and are prepared, I shouldn't say prepared, that's the wrong word, and are maybe able to stop an offense that is moving at the pace that they're, uh, at their, at the, that they're running at right now. So I think it will be a close game, but I, I think River Rouge will win by uh, uh, 7 to 10 points. There you go. Let me say this. Uh, I watched DeWitt play Portland in week one. I uh, actually watched that entire game, and – it was really emblematic of what DeWitt would be this year because all they do is move forward down the field. Uh, I mean, it's just it's like a collective unit, and and you can put the the remote on fast forward, and you're just going to see DeWitt moving down the field and moving down the field continually. Uh, they have a lot of weapons, and they just have a lot of ways to do it, very creative ways, uh, which is impressed um, to me. I made it a point to watch week four against De La Salle because I wanted to see really where kind of De La Salle was at at this point, and it was really after that game is when I basically said, Warren De La Salle is not going to win anything this year. I, I just, <laughs> for whatever reason, there, it's just not going to happen. Um, I mean, DeWitt won 43-3. I mean, it was yeah. it was convincing in every way. Uh, and they just haven't stopped from there. Uh, Stevensville Lakeshore was a playoff program that, that unfortunately had to, to forfeit uh, in the, um, uh, I think it was the district uh, championship round. Uh, and I think if they didn't have to, they could have been a team that could have gone very far in the playoffs. I, I think they were really good, and DeWitt beat them really bad. Yeah. I don't want to take anything away from the DeWitt, I, oh, no, no, DeWitt you're defense. Because I, I think I might have, you know, 
what they did to Muskegon was a statement. Oh, I mean, so they're not going to be intimidated by River Rouge. I think maybe my my comments made it made it look like oh, River Rouge is too big of a mountain to climb. I, that's not necessarily the case because this is a really really solid defense that Dewitt has. Yeah, I just the end of the day, I, I see River Rouge being a little bit too much of a, a, a task to, to overcome, but that's not taking anything away from that DeWitt D. Out of their last eight games, DeWitt has shut out every opponent six times. Yeah. So six of the last eight games they've had outside of the forfeit, which you throw out against Lakeshore, uh, they've, and they only gave up six just to Lakeshore when they, be, when they beat them. Uh, and then they were going to play Lakeshore again in the playoffs, and, the, and then they had to forfeit. And uh, they gave up three points to deal us out. I mean, that was it uh, in their last eight games. They've been unbelievable. And you talk about teams of destiny. I don't think there's really any team we can talk more about being a team of destiny than what DeWitt has done this season. Uh, I compare it to kind of a little bit like Brother Rice, Alex Malzone's junior year. Um, that ended up, you know, the completion of the three-peat. But that Brother Rice team with a junior quarterback, young and talented, just like Ty Holt, and, uh, and, and talent all the way around him, we're not going to lose. They had to do it in amazing ways to beat Muskegon in the state finals, uh, including, you know, a toss back from the kickoff and all that. I mean, it was, it was destiny, and I feel that way about DeWitt. Yeah, I think I think the the one thing that that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about River Rouge was something that Shane Fairfield from Muskegon had said after last year's championship game that one of the biggest differences with River Rouge is how deep they are and how few players they have going both ways, which is totally a huge factor when you have one of those grinded out games. How tired are they going to be in the fourth quarter? I don't really know how many guys that DeWitt has going both ways. I know a lot of their stars do go both ways, so that can be a factor. But I just, having watched them all season long, you think that some of these games, you know, I thought De La Salle was going to be a good game. It wasn't. I thought, and Muskegon ended up being obviously a two-score game, but DeWitt has answered every single bell. And this is this is one of those where take nothing against I, – I, this is not an easy pick. And I was kind of hoping to wait until, you know, like Thursday before we post the picks to flip a coin. But this DeWitt team has just answered every single bell. I think I'm going to have to go with DeWitt. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be great. Whatever happens, we're going to be talking about the Saturday night game. For those – look into, at the history – uh, and just look at the Division Three Saturday night game, and it's always one of the best, if not the best, consistently every single year. Uh, I think this will be one of those. And, uh, boy, I do. I'd love to see a shootout. I'd love to see, you know, body blow, touchdown, then boom, they go it's down. It's St. Mary's that are playing yeah, in these games. Well, right? that's, that is true. And playing in and, those classics. Right, 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 four exactly. Four overtimes and, or yeah. five overtimes in, in Yeah, uh, East Grand Rapids, exactly, yeah. in uh-huh. those years. And the, Drake, you know. the Drake Harris game. The Grand Rapids overtime, Christian, yeah. yes, absolutely. So um, it's. I think, it's, I think we're going to have some legends come out of this game and it's going to be really fun to watch and thank you so much for listening we really appreciate you guys uh sticking with us for this podcast um you know we had a lot of football to talk about and we didn't just want to shove aside the semifinals because these are the state semifinals for goodness sake i mean you want to talk about those games because uh those are you know teams arguably vying to be the best in the state that year and so uh and of course we had to give you our finals you know quick previews at least so thanks for for hanging in there with us uh we love doing this we're going to do this one more time 
I will tell you this. I plan on being at Ford Field the entire time. Uh, Matt, I know you're going down this weekend. Okay. Yep. And yep, you'll I'll be, be there you'll be, all, all eight, I believe. Okay. That's, and that's my goal, too. Yeah, I'll be there Friday night and okay. then Saturday. Matt, if you need me for anything you know, specific, let me know. Okay. Uh, I would like to, we're going to do some Facebook Live cut-ins um, that we're going to do on the network. I'm going to just have my phone and I'll sit down. You know, if, if we're all three there, we'll, we can sit and talk. I can set it up. Or Matt, we could chat about games as they're going on and some little things like that uh, just to make it a little more interactive with what's happening. Uh, you know, maybe some things that we're hearing, uh, you know, on the press side of things of the state finals because there's always a, a lot of uh, interesting things that are going on. So um, you can, you know, just Follow us on State Champs Michigan, and uh, you'll be able to see those posts on Facebook. We'll be Facebook Live. We'll probably restream it, so it might be live on all our platforms. That's that's the goal. So anyway, regardless of that, the Final Four comes out on Wednesday the 20th. So if you're whenever you listen to this, we've got our Final, Final Four for Mr. Football. for Mr. Football and for the Anvil Award. Both of those are released on the 20th. We will have our champions uh, probably named Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. So it's all very exciting, all very happening very fast. And then hopefully we're going to be able to get into the winter sports and uh, hang time can officially kick off and we'll talk some basketball. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us. Have a great time. If Again, follow us. Uh, this weekend on State Chance, we'll keep you in the know outside of what you're watching on Fox Sports Detroit, and we'll have a full highlight show for you by Sunday night of all the games, uh, probably sooner, and uh, you'll be able to enjoy all that uh, great state finals content. Content. I'm so glad that we're able to do this and that this is actually happening, and uh, it's going to be a phenomenal weekend. Please join us. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks once again for listening to the State Champs Michigan Extra Point Podcast.